What if everything you thought and believed about successful buying, selling, and financing your home was wrong? Welcome to HomeWise with Michael Midget. This is where you can count on straightforward, objective advice on the right way to make the most out of every dollar you put into your home. Whether it's buying, selling, or financing, even maintaining and growing its value along the way. Coming to you from the News Talk STL studios at Union Station in St. Louis. Welcome to HomeWise. I'm Stal Pontikas, and I'm joined by the creator and host of HomeWise, Michael Midget. Michael, great to see you, buddy. How are you? I'm good, Stal. How are you? Doing fine, thanks. Ready to jump in with uh, more good information for our listeners. Oh, yeah. It's been a wild week. So, um, you know, this past week, we, you know, I guess it started off with Memorial Day. So my birthday every year falls on the actual, the real Memorial Day. Oh, happy birthday. Thank you. Oh, belated birthday. So it always kind of like, you know, May starts out and it's kind of like a a really busy month because, you know, the kids are getting out of school. So you're kind of trying to plan on that so it doesn't catch you off guard. And then, you know, thinking like, you know, that day, right? That day, that day. Oh, yeah, Memorial Day is coming up. But then it's like my birthday too. So, um yeah, just trying to trying to keep up with everything and, you know, especially with, you know, just work in general and then, you know, the show and, uh, you know, it gets to be a lot. So, but sneaks up on you. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, we are now, I guess, a year, a year and a half into this awful, you know, relatively speaking, awful real estate market. Mm. Um, that's been one of the worst on record and as far as sales and, you know, kind of the, you know, the perfect storm of, you know, rising, escalating prices because of low inventory and then higher rates than what we've been used to, you know, for the last, you know, for the past decade. And, um, you know, just some of those things also catches you off guard. And, you know, I guess now it's starting to feel like a new normal. Which that word gets, you know, gets thrown around. How long does it take to reach a new normal? I guess it's, you know, the norm. It's a new normal when people stop talking about it as being something different. And uh, we're still talking about it every every once in a while. So, uh, but no, I mean, it's just, it's been a hectic year with, uh, you know, lenders going out of, out of business mm. and uh, just different facets of the of the real estate market and the financing market as a whole so you know um not to bring a downer a downer on everybody but um today so there is a there's a concept that i kind of have come to live by and i just i find that you know with it's a tough market it's a tough time it's a tough everything it's tough for everybody right this just really makes it a heck of a lot easier and it's the idea of just give people what they want, right? What do you want still? You can just have it, right? And whenever you go to the store, like, if, you know, if you're going to buy something and it's a, it's a, let's say it's a big decision, right? It's not something that you buy every day. You know, what do you, uh, when you go to buy that, what do you want? <laughs> After I'd clear it with my wife. Right. Well, Okay. <laughs> So, all right. So, so maybe your wife makes those makes <laughs> makes those decisions. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. So, well, it, that's actually that that's a perfect that's a perfect lead in because. So I was watching, you know, over over the holiday mm-hmm. weekend last weekend. Mm-hmm. I was uh, I was 
I like to watch movies, all right? And um, I <laughs> happened across Mr. Mom. Oh, my yeah, goodness. Right? So. Yeah. I remember that one. Yeah. And it, it's interesting because, you know, that movie, it came out in, I think it was 1983. Mm. Uh, it's set in the early 80s. You know, Michael Keaton, Terry Garr and all that. And they're just your average, everyday, middle, uh, you know, Midwest, uh, middle class household. And, uh, you know, Michael Keaton plays uh, an executive at, a, at an automaker, like an automobile manufacturing company. And uh, he loses his job, gets laid off, right? Because the early 80s, it's a tough time. The, the influx of the Japanese cars from that market. Mm -hmm. um, at that time, they, I don't know, it was considered that they just built a better car for the same or less money. And so they, it, it. It, it was a tough time in that. On top of, uh, we also had inflation, right? And so we had, we had a changing economy, kind of a changing of the guard, a changing in what was valued and what wasn't valued. We had escalating prices. And so uh, these different economic classes start to get, start to get squeezed, right? And it's, um, overall, when you look at it over, over, over long periods of time, that, you know, that can be a good thing. But when you're in the middle of it, when you're in the thick of it, like they were in this movie, like we are today, it's, it's, you know, it's tough. And so, um, so Michael Keaton loses his job and he can't, he can't find another one. It's, it's a bad time. Right. And so that's where the title of the movie comes from. Mm -hmm. He becomes the mom, mm -hmm. Terry Gar, who was a stay at home mom. Like, oh, I can go to work. I can go back to work. I used to work in work in advertising, right? So she goes out and she gets she gets a job at an advertising firm. Gets a gig. And it, you know, it's a hilarious movie. If you're a Michael Keaton fan, it's you know, it's it, it it's easier to appreciate now at my age now than the first time that mm -hmm. I watched it as, you know, kind of hadn't come into that part of my life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's probably not all that funny either when you're like living, living in the middle of it. But like once you get past that and you're kind of looking, looking at it, you can you can see the <laughs> humor into different things like making a grilled cheese sandwich with the with the iron. Right. <laughs> but anyway, towards the end of that's the problem with that. <laughs> well, well, that's the problem. <laughs> Oh, uh, that was back when uh, you could still, uh, and and they even had Teflon still back then. So That's right. um, it it reminds me of so there's a so there's a scene in the movie, right? So, the, um, and it plays into the overarching theme of the of the sign of the times and all that. And she's working at the advertising agency, and it's you know it's a you know it's an old guys club, you know, three mm -hmm. suits and just you know like just smoky murky mm -hmm. back room kind of stuff yeah and they're all in there and they're trying to come up with this advertising campaign for their biggest client who sign of the times they're getting squeezed right they're and it's uh it's a company <laughs> it's schooner tuna <laughs> um and um so they're trying to come up with this with with this campaign and they're just striking out. And they got the client in the room. He's getting ready to walk. He's going to pull the account. And so the guy, he like the uh uh the head guy in the, of the advertising agency. Mm -hmm. He gets desperate. He goes out in the hallway and he sees Carrie Gar. He's like, "Hey, come here a second. You know, and he's like, "Here, you you've done this here. We need you. Like you're up the bat. Like what are you talking about?" Like so just gets pulled into this meeting, said, "Here, pitch him. Like whatever you got." You know, and uh, so she listens and 
starts going through the, okay, well, you've tried this and it didn't work and I tried that and it didn't work. And, you know, there's all these things that you're trying to do and it didn't work. And basically, she doesn't actually come out and say this, but when you, when you look at this from a marketing perspective, you're not hitting the problem head on. So you're trying to give away trips and you got contests and you're doing gimmicks and stuff like that. Look, if people don't have money, your gimmicks don't work. People don't want your gimmicks. People, they want help. They need help. You help them. You give them what they want, which is help. And if you make their life easier, if you impact them in that way some way, then you win their loyalty. And now you've got, you've got a customer and a client. And so, you know, and in the movie, you know, the solution to the problem is to cut price. Right. And so in, in all cases, maybe that's right. Maybe that's wrong or whatever, but that's what they did. And presumably, you know, presumably it worked. And, you know, I was looking at that and I was thinking like, wow, you know, that, that is sort of like the exact same time frame that we are in the middle of now, even though it's not the same chronologically time, it's a similar, it's a similar economy, right? So when we were talking before about interest rates, interest rates in the early eighties, what was your first loan? Boy, the first one, uh, the first one for us was in 87. So, uh, I believe it was somewhere in that 14 to 15 right. range. Right. So there was a period of time where they went, where they went up and they stayed up and they did not start to come down until the, uh, until the mid to late late 80s. Yeah. Right. We were renting up until 87. So that yeah. that was a a new ball game for us right. going So the in the early months. 80s, you know, they they had hit up upwards of 18. Yes, 18 to 20. Yeah. 18 to 20%. And so um and we dealt with know. stagflation trying to come out of stagflation and so many economic issues back right. then. That was 40 years ago. My goodness. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but you can remember it like it was yesterday, right? Yes. It had an emotional impact. Yes, it did. See, and, and so, yep. you know, and here's a movie. We're still talking about that same thing because they're cycles. Mm-hmm. And we just came out of, we believe we've just come out of, hopefully we've just come out of this long, massive uh, bond cycle where bond rates started up. And they've pretty much for those last 40 years, they've rates have come down, down and down, down and down. When you look at it, well, they can only go so low because if you value money at all, it can't be free to borrow, right? So there has to be a cost to it at some point if you you can't continually just go down and down and down and down and down. That's why I say don't expect rates to go back down to where they were, not saying that they won't, but if they do, it means really bad stuff happened, Mm -hmm. right? So bad Mm -hmm. that it's likely going to overshadow any good that would come out of that, come out of that other thing. We are still dealing with the economic carnage behind the scenes of what all that stimulus money did, the pandemic, and that the shutting down of the economy and then restarting it. These average, I mean, we had, we were still dealing with baggage from the previous recession 15, 15 years before that, um, when the Fed had done similar things. And it and it worked, but you've only there's only so much slack in the system, and that's all wrung out right now, right? So there is no there is no room room back in that. That's why they're furiously tightening back up, tightening back up to build some of that slack back. But there is that's a leading indicator. They can only at some point it just needs time to work out, 
And so we are, we are living, living through that, through that time. Um, but, you know, mirroring what that market was then today, you know, we have affordability issues and people, they need help. They need help with that. Well, high prices, you don't have, you don't have any control over, right? That's a market force its supply and demand that is not going to correct itself until supply starts to come back to the market but there are things that are suppressing that supply um part of it is a whole bunch of people just moved recently that maybe moved ahead of their regular schedule and so the market has to absorb some of that but we're also dealing with the fact that the people that refinanced during that time that might ordinarily be moving now are looking at this and saying, well, I don't want to give up my 2% rate or my Mm -hmm. 3% rate and take a six or a seven or whatever it is that, that you're being offered today. It's a big difference. Yeah. It's, it's right. It's a big difference when you look at, you can't buy what you, what, what you would have bought because I mean, a lot of people, it just moves beyond that affordability, mm-hmm. you know, you know, that affordability mark. And so it's so it's a hurdle to overcome. And so there are some people that are putting the brakes on that. And so that's that's making it even worse. Prices nationally. I mean, locally, they haven't really started to go down. I, I, I don't think they actually started to go down at all. If you look at the entire market as a whole, you might see some recent ticks that had gone down depending on what you look at and you know and where you look but year over year they were still going up we never experienced that big you know up or that or that big down um but nationally um i think they started to uptick again so mm. that's the like the overriding kind of the wave starting to come back driven primarily by lack of inventory and so the prices that's that's not going to correct itself right now, and as long as we have inflation, the rate thing is not going to fix itself either. So you know, we thought inflation was going away. We thought we'd beat it. Yeah, you know, um, well, it's not so clear now, and so the Fed is still continuing to tighten. Out of, I mean, you know, it's I mean they got to do something because people are watching them, and people expect them to do something. So if they sit there and do nothing, I mean, it's just, it's just the bickering back and forth and the politics start to play into it. And, you know, who knows who serves who anymore. And, uh, but point of the matter is that it's, they're still, you know, they're still tightening because they still see evidence of inflation there. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it's appears to be less than before, but it's not going down as fast as what they had thought. It might reach a plateau point here where we kind of plateau out on uh, how fast that's going to come down. And it might take longer for it to get back down to that to that point, you know, and they're talking about two, maybe three percent now, you know, that they'll, you know, they'll settle for three percent now uh, where they were shooting for two before. And I think they were talking like 2025 on um, on a time frame for that. Well, it could be longer. Mm. It could mm. be longer now. Now, again, nobody has crystal balls, so nobody knows for sure. But there are some things that, you know, you are going to see something coming well before it actually gets there. They're not seeing much evidence of it at all anyway. 
So they are they are still tightening. So just give the people what they want, right? It's not lower prices, not uh, lower rates as a whole, but within that uh, within that equation of how you figure out what a house is going to cost, there is there is more to it. So there are dials we can turn with doing better on the rate than we would have if we didn't do anything. So that's where strategy becomes more important. And today it's really just optimizing what rate you're going to take, what you need, what's going to benefit you the most for what price. Because remember, there is no one rate on any given day. It's, well, what what rate do you want to pay for and how much are you going to pay for it? So lender A, lender B, lender C, you get the same rate from all three of them, but what are they going to charge you? One wants to charge you a lot of money. One's willing to give you some money back. And another one says, well, you don't have to give me any money at all. And the hard part of shopping for that, right? So we've introduced this idea of shopping for settlement services, shopping for your, last week it was shopping for your title work with Brian and Title Resources, right? Great option there. Um, Reach out to me, homewiseradio.com, titleresourcesinc.com, email me, text me or whatever. I'll get you in touch with whoever you need to. Mm -hmm. If you don't know the questions to ask, I'll tell you what to ask. I'll help you get it. We've made it easy for that. That takes care of part of what those settlement services are. The rest of them I'm still working on. But when it comes to the mortgage stuff, that's the way I've built and set up my company to try and make it easy and fast because that's what that's what people want, right? So this idea of giving people what they want, make it fast, make it easy, make it as transparent as possible, right? Now mortgage rates are complex, right? What's, what rate am I going to get? I have no idea. Well, here, here's my credit score. What rate can I get? Well, I don't know how much money you're going to put down. Well, I don't know. Do I need to know that? Well, yeah, now you do. Mm. Because, I mean, before um, May 1st, it didn't, uh, I mean, it mattered to some degree, but the the buckets of what the what the, uh, what the the add-ons for the rate, remember the loan level pricing adjustments, that whole Yes. Deal. Well, it's yeah. still there, right? We're not talking about it anymore because that's kind of, the info has come and gone. Now it's old news, but it's still there. hasn't gone anywhere. Right. Again, it's part of that part of that news cycle, but we're still, you know, we're still dealing with it. But that has made things infinitely more complex because Mm. now one point on your credit score can really make a difference. A larger down payment versus a smaller down payment. There are a lot more adjustments and options there. And then a lot of non uh, non credit, non down payment uh, possible issues that can affect the rate there too. So it has become, it has become more, more difficult to do those. But, um, inside of that, there are, see the whole, the whole industry is set up from the get go. See, so we've talked about this before in the idea of shopping for the settlement service, right? The system is not set up to make it conducive or easy to shop for that. Well, it's true in mortgage also. Um, it's not easy to set up for that. I can't publish a rate on my website and have it mean anything to you. Now, I can publish a rate on my website to give you an idea of where I fall, but you see, once you attach a price to that on a particular day, I'm confident that I'm always going to win that battle. But if you go shop around with three different companies and if you get somebody that is going to 
you know, want to optimize, you know, like they like, oh yeah, you know, there's this optimization thing. I heard about it, this guy on a radio, I'm going to try it. Mm. So I call three different places and depending on what it is, they are quoting you that, that optimization, once you optimize it might change from lender A to B to C because everybody is working off of a different yield curve because outside of what the bond market is saying, the rates and the prices should be, there are all these internal company things too. So when you hear me talk about being a mortgage broker, having the mortgage broker advantage, shopping across dozens and dozens of high quality, you know, in it to win it, national wholesale mortgage lenders on any given day, same rate, they all have a different price for it. Why is that? Because they all have different internals. They all have different uh, cost structures and all of that. So it makes it complex. Even for me, I wouldn't be able to do that without a software program, without all those different relationships to be able to do that. So that's where it's important to just, you know, find somebody that you trust, pick up the phone, have an honest conversation with them. Hopefully they make it transparent for you. Hopefully they have your best interests in mind to make it easy because that's what everybody wants. So we're going to dig more in here, but mm -hmm. let's go to break and... Uh, We'll get it when we come back. Great. You're listening to HomeWise. That's Michael Midget. I'm Stel Pontikas. And we will take a quick break and join you again in just a moment. Welcome back to HomeWise. I'm Stel Pontikas with the creator and host of the show, Michael Midget. Michael, continue your conversation here as we get deeper into this subject. All right. Thanks, Stel. Um, if you're just joining us, we have been talking about just giving the people what they want, right? What do they want? They want fast. They want easy. They want transparent. They want trust. They want confidence in their buying decision. They need help. They want help. Even if you've been through the process before, you still probably are going to need some help because it's more complex now than it was before and um it doesn't look like it's going to get much better anytime soon not that it's a bad time but um you know we're probably not going back to what those low pandemic rates were when kind of strategy was just kind of out the window right it's kind of you know if you're in the car you know speaking of the uh the mr <laughs> thing and mm -hmm. the auto the auto uh manufacturer Industry. backdrop you know there's a certain point where, you know, if you're building an engine and it has so much horsepower that, you know, the strategy with, well, how does it produce that? Well, it just produces so much. It just, you know, kind of the aerodynamics and the other things of the of the car kind of start to go out, go out the window. Um, it's just raw horsepower. Right. So th I that's what I think of when I think of the low rates was, you know, you could have a an average strategy or even a below average strategy that was made okay. I mean, not, not the best, but it, you, you weren't going to get hurt because the rates were just so darn low, you know, and when you get into that 2% range and you're looking at even over a long period of time, the interest just doesn't compound and add up the way that it does on a, on a higher rate loan. Whereas today, um, strategy plays a much, a much bigger role. Mm. Mm. Right. And so, you know, in some of the, the loans that I have going on right now, you know, we're looking at, you know, like for example, the debt consolidation purchase, and we're looking at, 
things where people have student loans sometimes and like, well, should we pay, should we pay these off? Well, I don't know. Let's take a look at the numbers. You know, we were going to put a big down payment down, but maybe we would be better off if we did this other thing. I'm like, Hey, you know what? That's a great question. I love that. You brought it up. So I didn't, <laughs> um, but no, you will dig in and we will, we will look at the numbers and I can give you an honest assessment on that because I'm indifferent, whether I do a big loan, whether I do a smaller loan, whether I do the loan you want or the loan that I want, it's just, it's, I'm incented to make you happy. And the best chance that I have to close a loan is if I make you happy. I just feel like I'm just a pleasing kind of person. Like I want to make, I want to make people happy. But sometimes and I started to allude to this in the previous segment where you are, when you're buying a home and you're dealing with industries that, um, don't always make it easy that aren't transparent and some of that is product industry driven but some of it is vendor driven meaning like we are purposely going to cloud the waters and see i catch mortgage companies doing that doing that all the time not all but some and there's some i don't know if i would call them a bad actor or not because they're just i mean they're they're trying to compete in a marketplace they are going a route that i prefer not to go See, I just want, I want easy. I want to give the people what they want. I don't want to complicate it for you. I want to make it simpler, simpler for you to make a decision. I don't want to have to talk you into anything. That's more effort on my part. I just want to give you what you want. I will keep a watchful eye on this to make sure that you're not wanting something that's going to hurt yourself. You got some fangled idea that you shouldn't be doing. Mm. Um, You know, if I see something where you start to go off the rails um, I will politely, you know, caution against, you know, here's the issue I see with that. You may not want to do with that. Have you considered this? Where did you hear about <laughs> Where did you hear about that? Um, you know, like I, and I've heard it all. I mean, at some point or another, I've, I've heard it all there. And especially in times like this that are tough people, companies, you know, sometimes, you know, like you're really start to sometimes are dusting out, dusting off some of the older, some of the older strategies, you know, like the biweekly thing is one that mm. is starting to come back. And so why do they do that? Well, why did it go away in the first place? I thought it was a good thing. Well, it isn't, it's not a good thing or a bad thing. It's just a thing. It's how do you, how is it being applied? More importantly, because see, that's, it doesn't, it's not there for the reason that you think it's there. It's there. The person that's offering it to you is offering it to you as a sales tool to get you to agree to something else. And this is like the 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 thing that is going to, I guess, overshadow or fix whatever's really wrong with the thing that they're really trying to say. So, for example, let's say you're looking at, you know, you got a letter in the mail for a refinance. And for whatever reason, maybe you should have gotten it. Maybe you shouldn't have. Uh, I don't know how good the marker was. It sent it to you, but you got it and you're considering it, you know, because, hey, you know what? I got some debt, whatever. Um, I got a rate higher than whatever. But when you go to refinance today, you're likely going to be getting a higher rate than you would have gotten or than, than what you got recently if you refinanced during the pandemic. Well, those people are getting getting these kinds of things, but. The only thing that I know of that's more desirable than having a low rate mortgage is a no rate mortgage, like a, like no mortgage, right? No, no rate, no mortgage, right? That's even better. That's the <laughs> one thing that trumps them all, right? 
uh, mortgage the necessary evil, right? And so a tried and true idea is to, you can go sell mortgage acceleration, mm. okay? Not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. I wouldn't go pay for it. It's not a secret. There is no special mechanic. There is no special anything there that, you know, like skews the mathematical equation that's baked into the thing that makes it, you know, that makes it work. You just pay more. But there's all these fangled, like, marketing-esque things that will can be thrown on top of it to mask what is really just a simple process. And so... I know about all this stuff because I used to be in that industry, not the mortgage acceleration, pay off your mortgage just by itself early thing, but in debt consolidation, we would use that to create payment advantages over mountains of credit card debt. And then we would use that to pay back the new mortgage that we made them. And when you looked at it as a whole, even if you were raising the rate a little bit on the mortgage to do that, it wasn't a huge hurdle to overcome because of the power with doing those prepayments. But the way that we used to do them before doesn't exist anymore because you can't get the larger percentage of the value of the home mortgages that you need to do it. Um, and you're also dealing with the hurdle rate over what they owe, like the, the rate that's on their mortgage now. So you can't get as much cash out as you used to be able to and so that makes the, of the new loan, it makes the the existing mortgage balance a larger percentage. That's already at a super low rate when you're comparing that to the rates today. That creates a, an anchor or a hurdle to overcome with the benefit from the new money that you're borrowing out. And the math, it just, it just doesn't work out. But if I'm trying to sell you one of those things, I could, I could show you all that. And see, I can play on your desire for a lower payment because you, I mean, you honestly, let's say you really do need lower payments, okay? And you're, you understand, you know, kind of the, like the dynamics of what, what are going on here. Um, you probably haven't looked at, you probably haven't seen all the numbers that you need to see because if you had, you wouldn't be considering it. But as the final kind of, Icing, you know, like when you go to Dairy Queen, you get the curly Q on top of your on your ice cream cone. The curly Q on top is, oh, and we'll we'll put you on this bi weekly thing. That's gonna shave even more money off because you just take your payment, divide it in two. So it's like you're making a half payment every two weeks and um you accelerate your loan even more and you're gonna save even more money. You're like, oh, I wanna save, you know, and so there is a certain point where so remember, ordinary average everyday people don't dig into or understand the math that's necessary to really truly dig into this not being condescending it's not a dig it's not um you know it just it just is right it's it it's not simple simple math right it's spreadsheets on top of spreadsheet kind of stuff um they don't they don't dig into it so they don't they don't understand it there is a there is a, I guess, a fatigue factor involved where when you think about something, you're, th you're looking at it and you're thinking about it and you're hearing about it and you're getting talked into something, there's a certain point where it's kind of like a battle of the wits there, right? It's like a chess match, like who can think harder at it? And you just eventually, they just wear out and like, okay, just, I get it. You're 
you seem convinced about this. Uh, uh, you're transferring that confidence to me. Now I feel confident about it because you feel confident about it. Meanwhile, all the while, they're trying to sell you something. And if it's a good thing, then it's a good thing, and that's okay. But today, the di it's that difficulty, that, that hurdle to overcome is tremendous, tremendous. And when you look at the number of refinances that are being done, you can look at it and say there's no way that all of those are good money refinances. And so, mm. you know, but you just have mm. to, you have to watch out, watch out for that, you know, you know, for that kind of stuff. Um, moving back to the, the settlement cost idea, um, we talked about, we started talking about um, this idea that when people are looking at homes and they are looking at what they can afford. And so they look at what the resources are and uh, how much money do I have to put down? You know, well, how much do I need? Well, you need 3% if you're going to do a 97% loan or 3.5% if you're going to do an FHA loan or 5% if you're conventional and you don't fall into the category that can do 3% or me, I'm going to put 10 down because I got 10 you know, or I want to do 20 because I don't want PMI, right? And so they come up with, I'm going to buy a $300,000 house. I want to put 20% down, 60000 I got sixty. You know, I got sixty equity in my in my other house. I got 5000 in the bank. We're good. We're covered, right? We'll sell the old, the old house first, transfer that over to the new one. I'll have a decent loan without PMI on it because I don't want that and move on. Like, okay, well, that's all good and everything except... It's going to be more than 20%. Mm. What, do you, what do you mean? Well, there's closing costs, settlement costs. Okay, yeah, yeah, I know, but how much could that be, right? First-time homebuyers fall prey to this more so than repeat homebuyers, but even repeat homebuyers, if they haven't done it in a while, may have forgotten because, you know, let's be honest, it's not something we think about every day. Um, so it's easy, it's, it, you, know, you, know, it's easy you know, it's easy to forget, but especially if you're that first time home buyer and you maybe you're in that three to 5% down category, settlement costs can be two, three, maybe even 4% of the loan amount, depending on who your lender and your realtor are. And if they're looking out for you and they're shopping these things and getting you um, into those, into the, into those lower percentages. But even if you're doing everything right, you're still looking at 2% on the lowest, on the lowest side, maybe 3%. If you're putting 3% down, well, that doubles what you need to get into the house. So even a starter home today might be two hundred and fifty thousand. So three percent that's seventy five seventy five hundred, you might have seven thousand in, in settlement costs because you gotta buy insurance. Mm. You gotta pay for a year up front. You gotta set up your escrow account. You're gonna put some real estate taxes in there. Then you've got your title work and your appraisal work and you know, your lender's going to have some fees. And if they don't have any fees on there, then you're just paying a higher rate for that anyway. And so in an, in an environment that's already a higher rate. And the other thing I'll tell you about that, because, it, it, you know, it's interesting. Um, when you actually get to see the bond yield curves and everything on the back, like the back room kind of stuff like I do. Um, today, it's really difficult to get premium out of a mortgage rate to use to pay for somebody's closing costs, okay? So that just means when a lender is giving you a no-closing-cost loan, because sometimes that's what people hear, like, oh, I hear, oh, I'm going to do a no-closing-cost loan, so I'm not going to have any closing costs. I don't have to worry about that extra 2 to 3% that he's talking about. Well, 
the lender doesn't have any cost, but you still are going to have title work. Oh, no, no, no. They're going to pay for the title work too. Okay. So they're going to pay for the title work. Well, I promise you they're not paying for your homeowner's insurance. They're not paying for your real estate taxes. So you are going to have something. But on top of that, what they're going to have to do to the interest rate to get enough money to pay for those other things, I mean, you might be paying an entire percent higher today because of the amount that you have to raise it in order to get that to get that extra premium out. So it's just, it, you know, it's something to watch out for. It's the main reason why I introduced the idea of shopping for settlement services. It's just something that was second nature to me. You know, if I was doing a loan um, on, on, um, for somebody and, you know, I'm trying to shave closing costs all the time, mm -hmm. like especially on a refinance, right? So you're looking for title companies and that, that will, that, you know, that will work with you. Uh, cause it's, it's key. It's crucial. It's crucial on, you know, on those kinds of things. And every dollar that goes into that is a dollar that you can't get out to give to the homeowner. If you're doing a cash out refinance or it's more money they have to borrow and that makes it more difficult to refinance and produce that true financial benefit that we were talking about earlier when you have to incur more of those, more of those costs. So it's really more, it's even more, more of a balancing act, walking that tightrope on a, on a refinance. So I just, I took that same mindset and I applied it to, to a, to a purchase money loan. It plays out similarly just for a different reason, because if you're looking for, Hey, you know what? I need some help with these settlement services, right? You give people help, right? Okay. Well, you know, if you want to pay, if you're willing to pay a little bit higher on the interest rate, a little bit higher payment, you know, 10, 15, $20 a month, you're not going to miss that. Right. But I can get you some of this money so you don't have to come up with as much out of your pocket when maybe we could deliver that same benefit without having to pay for it through the interest rate because we did a better job with choosing who our, who our, who our providers were mm -hmm. for that. So by saving, you know, what uh, Brian said, somewhere $300, $500 was consistent, um, just my my you know investigations on that the numbers I actually I came out higher you know sometimes upwards of a thousand dollars for that so mm. but if we just stick with that three to five hundred range um, on title the home inspections I know there's a couple hundred dollars in there I've seen what some of those costs and I've I've seen wide variations between different homes different buyers different areas things like that um, and the home insurance I mean I've told my personal story with that um, over a thousand dollars a year. Um, and that one is the real kind of kicker because not only does it save you money up front and it gives you more money to use for a buy down if you wanted to do that to get a lower rate, but it also directly translates into a lower payment because part of that mortgage payment is likely an escrow for the monthly portion of the insurance. And so, if you save, let's just, let, you know, let's cut that number in half I gave you and call it, call it another 500, you know, $500. That's almost $40 or that's over $40 a month on off of the monthly mortgage payment because of the escrow piece of it. That is, I mean, that's every bit as much as you're going to get from knocking an eighth, likely an eighth to a quarter percent off the interest rate on a mortgage, if you could even do that. So, you know, I've referenced that as a often overlooked way to save. Mm. 
all of these things together, all of them fall into a category that people just don't don't look at much. Mm-hmm. And um, interestingly enough, even after you show it to them, sometimes they still don't look <laughs> at it. You know, I had one the other day. Yep. You know, I she got her quote from her from her trusted agent, and I used my trusted agent and had a had a you know a little competitive situation. Mm-hmm. There. My my girl won mm. by three hundred dollars a year, twenty five dollars mm. a month on the payment. She didn't get the deal, and what I mean, it's you know, I don't impose on that. I just make available for that. But yeah, you know, I mean, they knew I was looking sure. out for him. But she wanted to stick with her purse. That's perfectly fine, you yeah. know, as long as as long as you know, right? Okay. So, so this is a good spot to take a break here. Yeah. All right. Let's do that. We will take a quick break. You're listening to HomeWise with Michael Midget. I'm Stout Pontikas, and we will return in just a moment. Welcome back to HomeWise. I'm Stout Pontikas with the creator and host of the show, Michael Midget. Michael, continue your uh, conversation here because we're getting into the uh, the heavy duty stuff. We're in the home stretch. Yeah, now. we're in the home stretch. Got a few minutes left. Um, one thing that I wanted to point out. So we were talking about a lot of different things here. You know, affordability. That same mantra that we've been talking about and hitting every single week because it's it's really the most important thing. And how 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 do you deal with that? And so. There are several different ways that you can deal with it. Um, it's probably not just one way, though. It's probably a combination adding together many of the multiple ways. But recently, we've been discussing this idea of shopping for settlement services, doing a better job with that, saving some money, and then depending on what you need at any, you know, do you need the money in your pocket? Do you do you not need the money in your pocket so you're able to reinvest it back into the transaction? And what is the best way to do that? You know, I believe in the permanent buy down. Take that permanent rate; it gives you a payment advantage. It's 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 actually a true investment that pays returns. Uh, it does have a hurdle to it because you could always opt to not invest that money back in. So you've got the opportunity cost of that. It's the it's the piece of the puzzle that gets left out of every other single analysis I've ever seen on mm. this. Mm-hmm. It keeps me it keeps me from being able to use the calculators and stuff that the industry throws at us to figure this stuff out because it leaves out this most important part. So um, I have to go do it by hand, right? But if I'm not doing that, if I don't know the answer to that question, I mean, I, I mean, how do I know if what I'm telling you to do or whatever I'm recommending or advising to you is the best thing, right? So in order just for me to sleep well at night and to know that um, I'm doing the best thing that I can for people, I have I have to go through that. So um, so we check on that. So we've always got a break even a break even point on that. But it's a lot easier to hit those when you're dealing with free money, right? And so if you are talking about a true give back that doesn't cost you anything you know if you go out and you save five hundred dollars on your title work uh compared to what you would have paid had you not shopped or had this idea or heard this radio show that's free money right that went into into your pocket what you choose to do with it is is you know you know is up to you 
But the one thing, and I we touched on it last week, I just want to reiterate it because every time I, I, I talk about this, it's something that rings in the back of my mind, is, you know, we always want to make sure that it, it's not just about price, right? So when I'm describing this to somebody, I will sometimes get lazy or sloppy in my language, and I'll call it a discount, right? I hate that word, hmm. discount. Um, by the way, there's discount points that you pay when you're doing a buy down mm. technically it, there's an industry term called discount points i hate that term <laughs> because you know my paying discount yeah it just doesn't seem to to resonate right but you know i mean just to keep it simple in people's mind it's kind of like that right Be, but the reason i don't like that word is because sometimes it can mean substandard Right. Well, why did you get a discount on that? Is it not worth as much as the real, you know, is it, is what I'm getting fake? You know, like, did you buy a handbag off of a street corner? You know, oh, it's, you know, the real one's a thousand dollars, but this one was $80, right? That's a pretty big discount. You know, why, mm -hmm. how are they able to do that? Oh, it's not real. Right. So that's not what we're talking about. Right. So I will sometimes use the word discount for clarity's sake, but that does not mean discount, substandard, uh, cut rate, fly-by-night, whatever other inexperienced uh, or other low-value service. Mm. What we're talking about here are think like small business, right? So you have small businesses that are small, <laughs> obviously, and... Um, Small businesses can sometimes have benefit that large businesses don't, meaning they're more nimble, they're more agile, they have lower overheads. You know, they can do things that larger companies can't. The benefits that larger companies have, generally, is they enjoy something called economy of scale, meaning they can buy, if they're selling a product, they and it's a tangible product, right? We can just buy so much product. In fact, we sell so much of the product, we pr can produce it ourselves. And so we don't have to pay a producer to do it. And so we can recapture some of that profit in that. We can pass some of that savings on to you to help offset the extra infrastructure costs that we have because we're a big company, you know. Mm. And uh, but what's happened over time, and so you see this, you see this with Amazon, you see this with some of these other digital, you know, companies, is that they've been able to um, become bigger without uh incurring all of that all of that infrastructure all of that overhead well there's another piece to that is that smaller companies are now able to enjoy economies of scale on the backs of some of these bigger companies because of the digital the digitization or i've referred to it as the democratization of some of these channels for that and so when it comes to what we're talking about here, a small business, see me, it used to be um, a mortgage lender was favored if they underwrote in-house, right? Because the channels and what was available to us, if we had to go outside our four walls to get that underwriting, I mean, it was like we were shipping paper, paper packages back and forth. You know, if you had two days to ship something halfway across the country, um, you had the cost to ship it, you had the time, you had the effort, all that extra effort when if they were just sitting right there in your office, you get an immediate answer. Well, today that's all gone because it's all digitized, it's all electronics, it's clicking on a button. So it doesn't matter if that underwriter is sitting in, even if they're sitting in the office next to me, I'm clicking a button and it's just going to show up in their work queue on their computer 
So it doesn't matter if he or she is sitting in the office next to me or if they're sitting in the Philippines or sitting in Europe or Canada or Mexico. Yeah, like anywhere, they could be anywhere in the world. It could be halfway across the country. It's speed of light. It gets there. It gets there at the same time. They're doing that exact same. They're doing that exact same process. So that's been a leveling, you know, a leveling of the playing field. Well, um, so we talk about small businesses. We have efficiency, economic advantages. They're local. Um, they also tend to be experienced, experienced people that have uh, track records. They're, you know, they have connections. They're connected. Right. And so when you're talking about these settlement services like the title companies, right, we talked about how they don't market direct to consumers. That's just not the way the industry is set up to do it. They're not set up to take those incoming calls built into their cost structures are not that additional cost to do that. So if you own a title company, you're kind of you are living and dying by those by those connections that you have. Well, it's also the same thing if you're uh, if you're a home inspector, if you're uh, a real estate agent if you're these all these other vendors and service providers and parties professionals to this transaction if they don't have to pay for expensive marketing brick and mortar and all of that we're looking for providers who are willing to share that and put it pass that savings on back 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 to the borrower Right. So I don't feel like I don't want to pay for your commercial program. I don't want to pay for your expensive marketing. I don't want to pay for your branch network and I don't want to pay for your Mercedes. Okay. Find somebody else. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want my clients to, I want to deliver to them the best thing. They've hired me to be their advisor to look out for them. So they have their own pair of eyes, but they got my eyes as a backup. And so we're both scrutinizing this mm -hmm. and that's, that's what we're talking about when, when we get to this. So, um, but it's still a murky, it's still a murky swampy type thing. And so, um, I think the best way to approach this is if you're in the market and you're thinking you might want to benefit from this, or you think you might benefit from it, or you want to do a price check, right? Second opinion, or whatever, whether it's on your mortgage thing, whether it's on your title thing, whether you're it's on your real, maybe you got a better, I don't know. I, you know, I know good solid providers in all of these different areas that I've worked with. I've been around for 30, 32 years now. Mm -hmm. um, I'll have to check because <laughs> I just tripped the birthday here. Um, that um, when you know, you know, you've been around that long, you just, you you know, you know people. And so those are some of the things that I'm able, I'm able to share. So just reach out. You know, you've got the show website, homewiseradio.com. You can catch up on the previous episodes. The podcasts live there, uh, YouTube, Rumble. If you're watching us on Facebook, these are all recorded and put there. Um, you can find me at my goshelter.com website and direct phone or text 314-275-0314. Very good. Very good. All that great information, Michael, thanks so much, and uh, thank you for joining us for this edition of HomeWise. I'm Stal Pontikas. Hope you will join us again next week when we uh, delve even more into the uh, home buying uh, world, which is fascinating. Thanks, Michael. Thank take care, Stal. Loans and loan information provided by Shelter Mortgage, Inc. Visit us at GoShelter.com and MLS number 192609. 
a Missouri residential mortgage licensee and equal housing lender. Call 888-497-2558 for additional cost information. Other restrictions may apply. 